welcome to the Totally Scottish Football Show. I am JJ Bull, football writer for The Telegraph, and uh, someone recently described as having the most annoying voice in the business. So thanks for the confidence boosts, random person off of Twitter for that. This weekend, a heap of things that shouldn't be on a football pitch were a coconut, deer poop, smoke bombs, a pie, a lighter, Willie Collum, but there was plenty of football too, and we're going to talk about that. Patrick Barkley will join us a bit later to ask the question, what does hope get you if you're a Dundee fan? The Edinburgh Derby had lots of smoke, but was there fire? Could St Mirren pull Hamilton into the relegation zone of hell? Is Scott Arfield a better striker than Jermaine Defoe? We're also heading down to the Lowland League, where East Kilbride, a club who are just nine years old, and I'm pretty sure the jacket I always wear is actually older than that, which is not cool, could be on the verge of promotion to the SPFL. That's East Kilbride, not my jacket. Alongside me to discuss these miraculous things is the majestic Kieran Canning, European Journalist Supreme. How are you, Kieran? I'm very well, but I'm fearful we've got the wrong guy. Why is that? Majestic and supreme? Yeah. That's a much better intro than I normally get. Well, I wrote this one. <laughs> Alongside Kieran is the one and only Laura Brannan. But do not rejoice, because this is actually Laura's last show with us in the studio... Because, now no longer at Copa 90, you are better known as... Motherwell's new senior producer. That's pretty cool. You've achieved the dream of every Scottish person who moves to London and are going to live back in Scotland with a cool job. Yeah. Well done. So, <laughs> heading back home, this, uh, leaving the big smoke. I'm actually quite sad to leave London. I've grown to like it. But think but, of all the fresh air and the yeah. water. and Exactly. My skin is going to be in amazing condition now. <laughs> Uh, speaking of lovely skin, Andrew Slavin isn't here today because he always cries at goodbyes. Only last week I left him greeting on the escalator. He's sobbing as he headed up the Bakerloo line, which is actually the worst line. If you're listening, Andrew, do not cry. We are here for you. Also for you, Laura. Well, well I'm not, but I'll, no, Laura's I'll, I'll not. see you soon, Andrew. You're abandoning us. <laughs> she put the lime in the coconut, she drink a bowl up. She put the lime in the coconut, she drink a bowl up. Neat and tidy from Canberry to Mallon. And Horgan! It's a double from Daryl Horgan! And is there about to be a reshuffle in the natural order in Edinburgh? It was Daryl Horgan at the double as Hibbs won at Tynecastle for the first time in six years, coming from behind to win 2 1 and overtake Hearts into fifth place. Joining us now is Lewis Cummings, Statsman and Hibs fan. Paul Heckenbottom's unbeaten in eight league games. It looked like really nice football as well. Do you think Leanne Dempster has found a wee gem there? I definitely. I think uh, a lot of Hibs fans were growing quite frustrated at the whole recruitment process after Lennon left under uncertain terms. There was a whole rumour about Michael Appleton coming in. He was definitely coming in and then he rejected the job, apparently. So Hibs fans were all over the place. So for this guy to come in and even win a couple of games was brilliant. But to get us from maybe wearing the league up to fifth, winning six, coming from behind away at St Johnston and Hearts, two places we haven't won at in about six years at Tynecast. I think we haven't won at St Johnston in about five years. And the football looks great as well. It's not even as if he's playing Levine tactics and just lumping up the box to get a quick result. <laughs> he's playing decent football and you'll see, you've seen from the goal on Saturday that uh, the winning goal from Horgan, where it was nice pass and play and then a decent finish. Yeah, Heckenbottom described it as the one moment of quality in the game. It's it's really it's a, a kind of treat for the, the Hibs fans just now, isn't it, on the eyes? Uh, I definitely. Um, I've been to six of the eight games there and um, they have been brilliant. Under Lennon, it sort of grew frustrating. Like players don't play in the right positions. Uh, when we went a goal down, you just knew we weren't going to come back. I don't think Lennon had came back and won a game this season from going to go down. So I think we've won four since Lennon left from going to go down so I think that's the other thing as well is that heads aren't going down even the fans heads aren't going down because you know that there's a manager in place that's going to be able to make a change and just change the shape of it to make a quick substitution and uh, the game will always go to the, right to the end Hearts have been above Hibs practically all season given the, the start they had but now yeah. obviously you're, you're ahead of them do you feel as if you'll hold on to that now and have the last laugh? Definitely. You look at the form there on, they've been pretty brutal for a while. It was tough being a heavy at the start of the season. I didn't even look at the league table until about January, just because I knew they were so far ahead of us. I'd never thought we were going to come back, to be honest. I thought when Heckenbottom took the job, if he got top six, that'd have been brilliant. And I would have taken being below Hearts just, was that 11, 13 points were behind them. So to bridge that gap and then look to even go for Europe now was just incredible. 
for those who don't know, so I, I mean, I've really enjoyed this uh, statement, League Lewis. I think it's great. <laughs> I, I don't know if you can you tell us, or just tell us what that is, please. Uh, I, to, to be honest, I don't even know how to describe it without calling it like <laughs> brutal patter because I only, <laughs> only done it as a joke last year. Try to wind up one of the jambos at work because they're releasing statement after statement uh, when they're trying to build that new stand. Like, I work with spreadsheets and stats and stuff like that, so I was probably the only person on the planet sad enough to put something together. And then ridiculously, it sort of blew up when I put it on Twitter, which is quite interesting. Do you feel an obligation um, now to keep it updated? I, I, sometimes it does feel like a bit of a burden. I like it when <laughs> uh, the crazy response, some of the statements get. They think I've chilled down a bit this year. Who's um, one this year? Uh, Celtic are top by some distance. Untouchable uh, so, just now, are they? That's, 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 that's the quadruple. Well, that's it. They're on for the quadruple, so... Uh, <laughs> I feel like expect to see the statement league trophy on top of the rope in top parade. <laughs> What do you think of the game, Laura? I thought this was a really exciting game. Lots of it was dead good to watch. Was, yeah, it? it was a lot of chances. Good for the neutral. Quite entertaining. I thought um, the equaliser came against the run of play as well, and then all things swung into Hibs' favour towards the end. And it was one I really enjoyed. Kieran, yeah, it was like the best <laughs> Edinburgh derby for quite. A- Normally, these games, even on Saturday, to a certain extent, you know, dominated by off-field shenanigans. But uh, there was actually some good football, and particularly Hibbs's two goals. I know the first one, McNulty was very marginally offside. Oh, but the so Hibs is so good. Craig Levine complained about that because you know he's not one to complain. But yeah, like the way that McNulty set it up for for Horgan, and then the second goal's a great team goal. But there were so many moments. I mean, that Malin free kick from about. 450 yards that nearly went in Um, you don't want him for Scotland JJ he's not good enough for Scotland (laughs) Uh, Hearts although in a very different way um, much more physical as ever with Icpiazo up front although I think Hibbs actually coped with him much better than than other teams have in in recent weeks had loads of chances for all that Hibbs did play quite well grew into the game scored two very good goals Hearts missed a boatload of sitters. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. Arnold Zoom also missed like absolute sitter at the end. That was so bad. Kind of rushing, <laughs> hitting over the bar. But then McNulty missed, at the other end, a header that I think he should have buried. Yeah, there were a few chances that were ballooning wide. Must have been just so frustrating as well to create that many chances and to just not finish it when you're then, at that point, trailing. God, the Hearts fans must have been going off their heads. I think it also comes back to, when we talked about how Hearts have kind of fallen off from that I mean, incredible start they were top of the league the first like, nine ten weeks of the season and now they're sixth and how dependent they are on Naismith because when you just look at those chances fall into doom there was one for um, McLean if Naismith's in those positions you fancy him to to score more often than not and when he's not there you really miss him I just think Hibs look like such a much more entertaining and better team just at the moment I don't know if it's just simply that Hearts are missing Naismith I think there's more to it than that they were really defensive um, and also, when you aim the ball towards like Piazzo, sure enough, he's an absolute unit and he's going to bully folk just with his physical presence. But he's not always got the best touch. And uh, if you're hitting long balls, it's kind of a dice roll, isn't it? It's, you're putting it into the mixer and then you can't... Even if you're putting it out wide towards him or just onto his head, it's still winnable, these duels that you, that you can win off them. The thing I noticed with Hibbs is that um, they're clearly still in transition from Lennon's team, which is a bit more direct, I think. But not to say that Heckenbottoms isn't going forward the whole time. But it's really nice passing, really nice shapes, like a four-one-four-one. There's always these um, like diamonds on the pitch. You can see it all the way up. But they're still got this Lennon thing in their head. I think every team in Scotland does it, where whoever is wide on the ball, their first thought is instantly to just chip it into the channel. Do you know that ball always gets chipped like curled around? And every time they're doing it. And when they didn't do that, and there's an example in the second half, so first half they were doing it quite a lot, second half they weren't, and uh, they were much more in control of the ball, I thought, and there was always someone floating about, able to link it. The players seem to know what, what it is they're doing, but maybe it'll take a bit more time for them to uh, to settle in. I still think that there won't be enough games, particularly when you go into the top six and you're playing tougher teams for them to catch Aberdeen or Kilmarnock, but just to get to where they are gives them a great springboard looking into to next season. Laura, why are Hearts fans starting to turn on Levine? Are they? I don't know. I was kind of like looking at a few forums and stuff to see what fans were saying. It seems to be quite mixed. I think some are kind of unimpressed with, you know, he's too set in his ways. They maybe think he's taking them as far as he can. There's mediocre signings. But on the other hand, 
some are saying no, he's he's a hearts man. He's he's done the job from way behind the scenes right up through until he took over as a team as a manager. He's likely to only go if he's he's pushed. Really, they've kind of got that mentality and they've just sort of yeah, exactly. The boss is a boss. But then when you look at his his kind of last season, so in the League Cup, they went as far as the group stages. And then in the Scottish Cup, they got to the quarterfinals. This year, they've bettered it. They've, and we all know about the league, they're an incredible start. But this season, the League Cup, they got to the semi-finals. And in the Scottish Cup, they're at least they've got to the semi-finals. So I think there's there's arguments on both sides for Craig Levine. I don't think it's as heated yet as they're all against them and the pitchforks are out just now. I think that this weekend is going to play a big part in that. They should beat Inverness. And if they do, yeah, Laura's like, you can justify it and say... They've got top six and got to a semi-final in the final. And with all the injury problems that they had, and obviously Ikpiazu and Berra were out for a long period of time, Nick Smith, like I already said. But if they lose to Inverness, I think that could really be the turning point and uh, people will be out from. Relative to recent years, they have spent quite a lot of money since uh, since Levine came back in. Uh, we should probably just quickly mention before we move on that uh, there were heaps of flares thrown on the pitch I quite like flares. Right, hold on. Also, there's a coconut. I'm going to stop you there, right? <laughs> yeah. Because the BBC have made this mistake twice today. It was not flares. It Tell was smoke, smoke bombs. bombs. Ah! There's a big difference and, yeah, but I'm with you And how this. do you know that, Brannon? Because <laughs> I like them. Oh, I see. Is this <laughs> I'm a big fan, right? And I'm a wee bit annoyed at how much fans right now are shooting themselves in the foot so much. Who's taking a coconut? <laughs> Well, yeah, the coconut. I, I just this. I'm all for I'm all for fruit being donated <laughs> to the players to help them. But I mean, or, 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 or just them. Scottish people in general. It's, <laughs> it annoys me when fans have got smoke bombs and they do idiotic things like throw them on the pitch and bring players into harm, like such as the goalie or whatever. Because smoke bombs look great in the stands. Now I know they're not allowed in, and we've got all these problems with legislations and laws and everything like that. But I would like it to get to the point where fans are being sensible enough that clubs can then work with them. Such as in Scandinavia, you can get cold smoke bombs, so they're not as dangerous. Or in Orlando, they've got certain parts of their ultras who are firearm trained, so they can use them. So... Are you suggesting we give the Edinburgh Derby <laughs> access to arms? It is a long way off, right? Because obviously we know what the laws are like in Scotland at right. football games. But if fans can at least be sensible and keep it to the stands and not try and target players or pitch or anything beyond that line, then at least in time we can start working with the fans and make Scottish football the spectacle that it deserves to be. You're listening to the Totally Scottish Football Show. Hamilton won, St Mirren won. It's a relegation six-pointer at New Douglas Park where both teams took home just a single point, which isn't an awful lot of use to either, sort of. Anders Dreyer won and converted a controversial penalty. He went down slightly easy. Uh, my notes have written diving weasel. What do you two say? <laughs> my notes have put pathetic dive. Oh, what do you have, Kieran? I agree on that one. However, he may have learned his lesson from the first half where he should have had a penalty which wasn't given, and then the second half got Correct. a penalty that wasn't given. You have to go down given. to get no, a foul, yeah. No, Yes. It's not about very learning your so. lesson. And Joe, I was at uh, Wembley this weekend, and there was another example of this, with the Kyle Walker headbutt that wasn't a red card. If the guy had gone down and like held his face at a non-existent headbutt, yeah, Walker would have probably been sent off. I say this all the time, it's the referee's own fault that diving happens because staying on your feet is not rewarded. I hate this honesty. But it's not the He's, player's fault because if they don't go down, you don't get the foul. Yeah, but, That's the problem because yes, the refs don't see it. But it's, it's, everything is subjective to the referee's decisions throughout the entire game. You can't suddenly just throw a hissy fit and go, well, do you know what? You didn't give me the first time, so I'm going to just fall down the next they're time. They're not a hissy yeah. fit, though. They're trying to get the, the yeah. penalty that he, they're due. He basically threw the equivalent of a hissy fit. He went down so easily inside That's the not box. A you know what? Fit. It's the equivalent it of it. Yeah, but it shouldn't work. And okay, I get it in the sense <laughs> that on hindsight, it cancelled each other out. So yes, okay, fine. They got one in the end. I don't, had I don't respect to that either. That. I don't like but, that either. But. What he did was completely wrong. And you know how much diving grinds on me that I would just be like, well, I, I, you I, are, I, are I, off, I get off, the studio get today, off, you were punching go. a diver outside just on the floor <laughs> and laying into him. I agree that what he did was wrong, but it was wrong because it was such a terrible dive. I mean, yeah. If you're going to dive, at least be good at it. And I can't believe the referee bought it. Unless well, the referee himself. If he his leg properly, it would have been quite a good dive. Do you see, this is the, this is the, uh, the paradox. Because he's going down... Before the kick comes in, because he shifts his balance, 
Then the kick doesn't really come, so he just looks like he's going, oh, 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 penalty, please. I know from being in New Douglas Park, though, it is very windy, so yeah, there is the possibility that he was literally <laughs> yeah. just blown over. So Dreher took the penalty himself, and he did not commit the crime of Panenka, like Simeon Jackson did. The crime of Panenka makes me as angry as uh, Laura gets about diving. Tell me what you think of the crime of Penenka. That there is no crime of Penenka. The idea that missing a missing a penalty via Penenka is in some way more grievous than like smashing the ball over the bar and hitting a penalty like a man with power, but like blasting it into the stands <laughs> is absolute nonsense. Take that penalty like a man. <laughs> Laura, you've you've got an opinion on this? I seem to remember. Oh, at the time I did go at Simeon Jackson because I just thought you changed. Have you... Why are you Why are you doing this? It's so important. Why are you trying to? Be showy. Stop trying to make this a display. This is a perfectly valid it. way of scoring a penalty. There is that, but it was almost like, oh look, I'm good, Could and I'm going to prove again, it. Like Could di- I? Like I'd the- probably do it by mistake. <laughs> <laughs> again, like the diving, right? The problem with Penenka's is not trying to score a penalty via Penenka style, but doing a bad Penenka. So that is even English. It looks so bad. It, it does. It yeah. looks yeah. like a good when you fail to do it, it just looks like you cannot kick the ball properly, and yeah. it's just like there's no power in it. So you're just like, what was that limp, pathetic but effort? If you've well, seen Hamilton or St. Mirren this season, you'll know that they cannot kick the ball properly. <laughs> no. <laughs> Speaking of limp, pathetic efforts, Hamilton is the worst defence in the division. Uh, they are horrible in defence. Conceded over two goals a game this season on average, which is bad. I can tell you that. I know that for sure. Quite a good second half. Both teams were at it, and a draw is probably fair. But neither team are very good. I mean, I don't want to watch either of them really. No. Um, is there any way that we can force through sort of three teams getting relegated this season? <laughs> <laughs> I think it would be uh, for the good of the Luke. Stuck in, like he was kicking everyone. Yeah, I think he was winding up Brian Rice a bit as well, wasn't it? In his post-match, he was kind of expressing his frustration at Ziggy Gordon in particular. Because he was what the one... So he gave away the penalty. Well, the so-called penalty. So but he's he, doing air quotations. Yeah. <laughs> you can't see that on But he was also iPhone. he was also the one committing the foul for the one before that that should have been a penalty. And it was so reckless. He just kind of does a... Right, I'm just going to throw my body in here and just go for it. And it's just like Ziggy Gordon just skidding across the pitch. <laughs> And you're just like, what are you doing? <laughs> what are you playing at? And McKinnon, the captain, are just mad. McKinnon is actually mad. Like there was an interview oh, yeah. with McKinnon, and he was, uh, he was, yeah, it was, it was really nice. He was talking about how like he had um, lovely boys off the pitch. That's the thing. Yeah, he turned his life around because you know he grew up in a rough area and all that kind of stuff. But he also came across as being like a proper old-fashioned hard man. It's Dundee St Mirren on the last weekend of the season. Do you want to make a prediction? I'm not doing it. I'm kind of worried that, that it's too late. For I, both. Yeah, I think this game would have been good maybe the third last game of the season. But no, it, could, it could be still for who goes automatically down, I suppose. Yeah, but this is what I'm kind of worried. If Dundee keep up this bad run of form, it could be confirmed before that game. So what could potentially be one of the most exciting games of the season could actually be completely meaningless by this point. I see. I'd rather get them both. McLennan against Cammy Kerr. You get another chance at this. McLennan to Cosgrove! Dundee's disastrous run continues. Seven defeats in a row. That's bad after a 2-0 loss to Aberdeen at Dens Park. We're joined now by football writing superstar and Dundee fan, Mr Patrick Barkley. Hiya, Paddy. How you doing? I'm very awful, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, you were here in the studio with us uh, in August. I remember you weren't very optimistic then. And Dundee are still bottom of the table, so presumably you're even less optimistic now. It's the first time I've ever got a forecast right, you know, and it's (laughs) it's awful. It's awful. It really is. I mean, it's more than just uh, lack of confidence. It's it's lack of ability, lack of direction, constantly changing the team. And I don't blame Jim McIntyre because, frankly, we chucked 11 players out in the the winter window. I'd chuck these 11 out, well, most of them now, if, if I could. And um, it's just very dismal. And the sooner we go down to the championship, the better. But make no mistake, when we're in the championship, we will struggle with this team. I mean, I've seen us lose at least twice to championship sides at Dens. And they've not been soft defeats, you know. They've not been 90% possession and two breakaway goals. The teams have, like Dunfermline, have outclassed us at Dens Park this season. So we are in big, big, big trouble. I mean, whose fault is it? I can't just be one person, but 
You get the the wage bill is the sixth highest in the whole league, and so you know over the whole economic scale of it, they should be probably sitting sixth. Well, our our recruitment is is pathetic. I mean, it's I can't understand why in in the window Dundee United, who are a Championship team, signed Premier League players, and we signed Championship quality players. I mean, with all due respect, they are losing Kamara hasn't helped either, surely. Yeah, losing. Of course, that was our one good player, but. you know, one really good player, but you know he was never going to stay at Dundee. He's much too good, you know, for us. But the problem is that with these players, what we can't afford to do is tie them down to a three, four-year contract so we get a reasonable fee for him. I mean, Kamara is probably worth two million, and we would have got only a fraction of that because we can't afford a contract long enough that he can't let it run down, if you see what I mean. So, you know, we were only going to get a token amount for him going. So, that, I mean, that was okay. But there's no law that says you can't replace Kamara with a, a reasonable player, you know? Um, <laughs> it's the law of McCann, I think it's called. <laughs> and, and what, but, you know, you asked before, you know, what's the reason for it? It's the whole club. You've got to, you've got to blame the whole club. Now, John Nelms, the... The, the guy who runs the club um, on behalf of Tim Keyes, the American owner. John's an American as well. You know, in some ways he does well. He concentrates on youth development. We've got a magnificent under-18 team, you know. I mean, I saw them at uh, against Hearts away, and they really are special, you know. Um, so, you know, that the youth side of the of the club is fine. It's just everything to do with the first team, and it's it's mainly to do with recruitment. And, uh, you know, I don't know where they find them. I honestly do not know where they find them, uh, except in the sort of pound shop. <laughs> if you're saying there, if the youth side of the club is at least yeah. going well, would going down to the championship help to rebuild? Because then they might well, just look to those youth teams rather than bringing in... That, that's that's precisely the question that's been on my mind for the last few months and it, since it became obvious that we're going to hell in a handcart. I wouldn't mind if we could bring this youth lot and i mean we are vulnerable to predators you know i'm not i'm not going to even say publicly what the names of there's four who could if they want to be be really really good players and one of them's only just 17 and he could be well anything he wants to be so we're vulnerable to them but if we i wouldn't mind if we go down a league too if we could keep that lot together and work our way back up in three or four years time you know that's what i'd love to believe is the future but i mean look at the boys you know craig whiten we bring through from you know the dundee mad comes off the the dairy, you know, a part of the ground where the diehards stand and gets a place in the team and what ends up going to hearts, you know. Do you know what I'd like to be? St. Johnston. Is that too much to ask? <laughs> <laughs> is um is the fear of the Dundee playoff final derby really the biggest kind of fear on the Dundee fans' minds. Listen, just would now? you not stop asking <laughs> I am longing for this to happen. I've been longing for it all season. Could this be uh, the payback for 2016? <laughs> Cut. I, <don't... laughs> I take that as, as a real I, fear then. <laughs> it's just, you're just making me. You're going through the... Listen, I have these things. I ask that question as a nightmare every night. Honestly, I come up waking it in cold sweat. Honestly, do you mean a Craig Whiten in reverse? Yeah, I know exactly. And and to be quite honest, if we did play Dundee United in a, in a playoff, they would be the favourites, you know, because they've got the impetus of going up. Okay, they're just scraping points and they, they lost two points. At, but that was at Ross County. You know, those would have been fantastic points if they got those. So... Dundee United are, are on the way up. I'm told they're not a very good team either, but they're, they're, they're certainly better as a team at grinding out results than we are. In a way, there's a part of me that hopes we go straight down and, and don't play them in, uh, don't play the Arabs in a, in, a, in a playoff because it would just be, it, 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 well, it'd be exciting. Look, I would wake up on the morning of the first leg full of hope. It is the honestly, I've been suffering from hope in the last few weeks. I honestly, the first half against Aberdeen at the weekend, you know, that filled me with hope. But where does hope get you when you're a Dundee supporter? No, I think um, I think it's looking gloomy from every point of view, and I just dread that is the answer. Absolutely dread it, and I think there's a fair chance it could happen if we finish above St Mirren. But you know, uh, the, the the three points that Mirren took off us could. Uh, could make all the difference. 
We should talk about Aberdeen as well because there are two teams playing in that game. It's done. It was two 0 win to Aberdeen. Goals from Sammy Cosgrove, Ballon d'Or. So you know that you go in Google and you can just get the timeline of a game. So you go Aberdeen versus Dundee and you go into the first half. Normally there's all like yellow card, shot on target, that sort of stuff. So this is the Dundee versus Aberdeen halftime. Kick-off. Substitution. Kasunga on or day off. Halftime. <laughs> <laughs> it's the same problem again with this Aberdeen performance that I've seen every single week. So they're much better away from home, as we've established. So they started doing this thing where he plays Dean Campbell who played midweek, is a really good holding... He's like a, he's like a six. He can pass the ball. He's got great um, awareness and, and vision. And he's really good at doing those kind of things in the middle of the pitch. But uh, he was injured for this one. So Greg Stewart got back in the team. I don't know what he's doing. I don't think Greg Stewart knows what he's doing. I don't think McInnes knows what Greg Stewart's doing. Is there some sort of curse when Greg Stewart goes to Aberdeen? I don't know. It, it's really weird, isn't it? Because I don't know... Is it the players around him? I thought for a while it was the players around him. But now I see... I think his levels have dropped a little bit. It's very strange. But the shape's like a 4 2 3 one they're playing. Stewart through the middle is a 10, which should be his best position. It's sort of what he was doing at Killy. And um, all that's happening is the defence are sitting... Like, it's really, uh, they're really far apart, the team. It's about 53 metres, according to Wise Scout, 53 metres from centre-backs to striker. That's far. So it's Man City would be about 28, something like that. It's it's massive distance. And the, the centre-backs and the right-back are just humping up the pitch towards someone like Cosgrove, who's not, he's big, he's not going to win all these headers, and the players around him aren't going to get anywhere either. Shape's all wrong, Shinny and Ferguson push up from their deeper midfield positions, and there's no block for the for the defence, and that's why you keep having opposition teams running straight at them. But they keep winning. <laughs> Once they get sort of Ferguson into the game, he seems to be the one that does link it a little bit, and he obviously won the penalty to... Uh... Yeah, because he's box to box, so he runs from box to box and does it that way. I don't know, I think the shape's really important. Speak to me about Conor McLennan. Because he seems to be doing quite well Phenomenal. at the football. I think his output is more... I know Laura loves Gary McKay-Steven deeply within her soul, but I'm, I think McLennan is more right now, though he's a lot younger, and he makes the wrong decision quite often. He can go past like, an opposition player, just like that, snap of the fingers. But he, just, he gets the ball and he turns and goes, and he's always forward. Close control is superb, and you can't really get close to him. It's fast. I speak to Paddy about how the, it's the hope that kills you, even as a Dundee fan... Is it the hope that kills you, even as an Aberdeen fan looking at the cup semi-final? I think that Celtic don't look all that just now. If there's ever time to beat them, it is exactly right now. This is the time that they can do it. And Aberdeen have been a lot better in Glasgow recently, so there's... I 100% agree. Is this agree. the best that Aberdeen have been, though? Is this them on a no, high? it's not even that. It's just it's just the way it's that... It's fact, fact that Celtic are not. Celtic are. Both teams are in a funny, funny the, moment. The, I mean, the only thing is, obviously, Shinny's suspended. If Shinny was playing, I would say this is the best chance Aberdeen have had to win one of these finals or semi-finals against Celtic. But without him, I'm not so sure. Turnbull's lost it. Defoe's away from Dan. And he sets up Arfield for the hat-trick. Who needs Alfredo Morelos? Because Scott Arfield... That notorious goal scorer has stepped up with four goals in two games for Rangers. It includes a hat-trick he scored against Motherwell on Sunday at Fir Park. He did quite well. Very well. It's quite an interesting sort of system Rangers were playing because obviously... Uh, Christmas tree formation. Well, and in fact, Kent was also suspended as well as Morelos, which meant Arfield was in a bit more of an advanced, uh, advanced role and it worked very well. I mean, all three, the Motherwell were a bit... Um, Pathetic, really, with their attempts to, to play out from the back, which caused a lot of their own problems a lot of the time. Um, well, you handed it, I mean, it was a 3 0 win to Rangers in the end, but half of the goals, well, half, 1.5. 1.5 of the goals. Was it, it was just mistakes that they were making yeah. all over the place, really sloppy. I thought Ed had done a, a terrible time. At the well, back. It was interesting because I, th- I do think that the way Muddle have changed their style a bit, even as the season has gone on, will benefit them in, in the long run. But it is one of those days where you kind of have to take the short term pain for the long-term gain that if you're going to encourage our players to play in that way particularly you know, we know that you know, with Motherwell's budget they're not right. going to be the best players in the world to play that way you've got to be brave right? exactly and the mistakes will be and made the, the mistakes will be made and you have to persist with it and knowing that you know mistakes will be made and you'll have bad days like like Sunday uh, was for them um, but yeah Arfield's sort of running from I was going to say from midfield if you can call him from midfield because he was almost right up alongside He's in the, the, the the trick artistas strata yeah. Um and Defoe's, God, that's really horrible to say. <laughs> Defoe's uh, sort of vision, nerd. particularly for the the third goal, was um, was very good. The way the way he picked him out when he could have gone for for goal himself. So I do think it is interesting. I mean, Gerard said himself after the Hearts game in midweek that if Defoe kept playing uh, as he had against Hearts, and then obviously they played quite well yesterday, even though they didn't score, 
that'll be interesting that when Morelos is free again from suspension in like 2021 or something like that, <laughs> who, will, who will get into the team. Laura, do you think Motherwell are going to keep that side of quite very talented, quite very talented, very talented youngsters together? Jake Hasty's obviously off to, well... Is it confirmed well, he's off? It's not confirmed yet. It looks like it, which is hugely, it's hugely disappointing. Well, to Rangers, it's, it's hugely disappointing though if this does happen because it's even just watching him at the weekend. He's too young. He's too raw. Yeah. Um, and I, we've said it. We've said it a couple of weeks now. He is not ready to leave. He had a good chance to set up both Maine and Aribi at one point, and his final ball was just so indecisive. It's a decision, isn't it? Yeah, and it that is age. that is the thing. He's just not played enough to get that experience, and I just feel like another season at Motherwell would just do him I, the absolute. I world don't of understand good. why Celtic and Rangers don't more off like a lot of teams in Europe do this. Buy like, him, a big, year loan, right? Yeah. So like, yeah. say, say Rangers could buy him, put him on a three, four year contract, and immediately loan him back to to Muddle for a season or even two, given that he probably needs that experience. I thought the same with Celtic when they took Lewis, Lewis Morgan. Morgan yeah. I mean, they did loan him back for six months, but really, I mean, given he's gone out in Sun- Sunderland again, he needed more time like that. We've seen like the benefit to Celtic of letting Christie go for two years on loan to, to yeah. Aberdeen. That like that does help them, and they can still sign the player and tie him down so if he does really really well he's not going to be taken away by a Premier League club or whatever there's a lot of players out of contract at the end of the season for Motherwell so if you look at there's um, in terms of the starters there's probably five that you would look at as maybe being concerns for them leaving so Hasey's one of them Aribi, Main, Gorin and Aldred are the other four there's another three first teamers out of contract as well um, McHugh, Cadden and Freer not starters but still big enough players and then there's another three on top of that so it's Taylor Sinclair Bulu and Salmon who are the lesser three to worry about so there's a lot in terms of contracts coming to an end but I think I don't think it's much for Motherwell to panic about at this stage I think it's more a case of right we know we've got the kind of core team here and this established talent but now it's time to kind of work around that and concentrate and kind of maybe looking at those five starters first and working your way out from there there was an exact moment we were talking about um, Jake Hasty, where I think it shows exactly why this is such a disastrous move when they go if he goes to Team Rangers. So the ball came in from the left, and uh, his first touch, if it was Morelos, I think it kills it dead, and he has a shooting chance. But Hasty's touch takes it too far away from him, he has to chase it, and it's cleared away. And that's the kind of chance that the players who win stuff and are of the top level they kill that ball no matter how old they are because it's just dead and that's technique. And maybe it's a pressure situation that's going, he's just lost his um, touch. Yeah, I feel like every single week we're going to be talking about how hasty, stop making such a bad... Hasty, don't be hasty! Because until it's actually confirmed, I think we're going to be saying this on a weekly basis. That was actually the original uh, idea for Paolo Nutini's song. (laughs) Uh, Again, uh, it's kind of boring, but it's happening every single week. Stuff is thrown on the pitch again the hell's wrong with people throwing a pie is quite funny but you can't do it I would never do it what's wrong with throwing a pie why, why, why would you throw away a good pie I know toddy pies are delicious on the bright side though I, in, in all seriousness I don't think we should oh, be on a talking... lighter that's bad really <laughs> yeah. yeah I don't think we should be talking about pies in the same sense as a coconut and a lighter and a bottle of buckfast and smoke bombs and things like that because a, a pie in all seriousness is not going to hurt you the same way if I could a offer you is. a pie or a coconut right now which would you take to eat a coconut Oh, interesting. Kieran? Coconut pie. Coconut pie. That nice. He solved it. Very clever. It's like a bounty. <laughs> I did have the light thing of like earlier on of if someone throws a coconut, your bounty get hurt. Oh. But I decided against that. Well, it was only Motherwell fans that got uh, hurt as they saw their team get royally pumped by Rangers in this one. Laura, I assume now that you're moving too near Motherwell, you're going to sort out all the fans and tell them to stop throwing lighters at James Tavernier. Yeah, I'm getting elbows out, I'm going in there. Take it by the scruff of the neck. Elbows out, you You've got me here. to deal with now. Okay, well, <laughs> uh, who's going up, who's going down? Here is Neil White, who's not throwing coconuts, with the best of the action from the Championship, League One and Two. This was a week when the leaders of each of the three divisions below the Premier moved tantalisingly close, in one case almost unbearably so, to their respective league titles. Let's start in the Championship with Ross County. They played two huge games in 72 hours. First, 
On Tuesday night, Andy Boyle, a defender signed on loan from Preston in January, picked the perfect time to score his first goal for the club. His header gave the leaders a 2-1 win at Inverness. Then, on Friday night, just as Dundee United looked to be seeing out a 1-0 win in Dingwall, Jamie Lindsay's injury time equaliser changed the picture at the top of the table. How big was that goal? Without it, United would have been two points behind County. Instead, the gap is five. United only have four games to play, one fewer than the leaders. On Saturday, Inverness won 1-0 at Ayr. Substitute Brad Mackay scored after the Ayr keeper Ross Doohan had earlier saved an Aaron Doran penalty. Inverness and Ayr swap places then in third and fourth. The order in which they play each other in the first playoff round may be the only thing still to change at the top. At the bottom, Alloa backed up their win over Ross County last weekend with a 2-1 win at Falkirk. Dario Zanatta scored in both of those games and fans of his parent club Hearts may get to see more of him next season. The 86th minute winner came from Jordan Kirkpatrick. He has scored three times since returning to the club in January and two of those goals have come in the final five minutes to decide 2-1 wins. One point better off than those two are Partick Thistle after they came from 2-0 down to grab a point at home to Dunfermline. Scott McDonald got the equaliser there. He has scored five goals in nine games since he gave up a life of punditry to sign for Thistle in February. Those goals have been decisive in earning Thistle five points in tight games. He's like an Australian Jordan Kirkpatrick. League One, the Champagne Corks went back into their bottles at Arbroath who thought they'd clinched the title that's had their name on it all season. Ricky Little's header gave Arbroath a 1-0 win over Montrose and fans at Gayfield were waiting on news of the final whistle at Oakleview, where the league's worst side, Stennis Muir, were leading unexpectedly against Wraith Rovers. But an injury time equaliser by Liam Buchanan means Dick Campbell and his merry men must wait for another day. Strenra beat Forfa, Dumbarton beat Brecon and that means it's Stenny at the bottom then Brecon, Strenra are two points away from the relegation playoff and Dumbarton are almost out of bother on 38 points. League 2 and Peterhead twice blew a two-goal lead to draw 3-3 at Clyde. Still, they went up the road in better shape than when they left because Edinburgh City suffered a shock 4-1 defeat at Cowden Beef. Everybody has four games left and Peterhead are six points ahead of both Clyde and Edinburgh City. At the bottom, Albion Rovers and Berwick lost by an aggregate 10-0 and are still split by a single point as they struggle for survival in the SPFL. Bottom side Berwick conceded six at Annan, so despite shipping four at home to Queen's Park, Albion Rovers finished the day ever so slightly better off. The Lowland League title has already been secured. East Kilbride crowned champions 10 days ago. Paul Thompson, sports editor of the East Kilbride News, joins us now. Paul, this is a team that many will remember as record breakers a few years ago uh, for some sort of Ajax record. Can you fill us in on that one? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, incredibly, they beat the Ajax record that, that I think stood for, oh, I don't know, like 30, 30, 40 years or something. The, the great Johan Cruyff team. Um they got the 27 games to beat that record at K-Park um, by beating BSC Glasgow and all of a sudden the world was interested in East Kilbride and this incredible run that they went on and there was a, a video message from Edwin van der Sar of all people and uh, 27 crates of beer arrived at K-Park for the players to enjoy as well so it was quite a quite a surreal experience for everyone involved. But no ex-players offering to come and play for a couple of games or anything like that, no? <laughs> no, no, I think they, they tried to get a friendly with them the next season, but that, that fell through. Well, don't need one this season because you've got top scorer Craig Malcolm, manager Stuart Malcolm, no relation though, apparently. Who are, the, who are the key figures this season for the Kilby? Obviously Craig Malcolm, as you mentioned, he's top goal scorer, he's got 23 goals, he's the captain, he's great in the air. Get great strength, can link up well with the likes of Jamie Longworth, who is one of his former Stranraer teammates, um, and Paul Woods as well. They kind of linked up well at the weekend there in a, in a cup win. Um, so you've got you've got them. You've got Sean Winter, another ex Stranraer player who's been at East Kilbride now for about four or five seasons. You've also got Cammy Russell, who's in on loan from Airdrie, who hit a hat trick against Kelty Hearts last week. And a four 0 victory. So there's a lot of attacking options at East Kilbride, and that's one of the reasons they've been so successful this season. 
can we just kind of clarify what the kind of history is with East Kilbride? Because there was a team before this, wasn't there? So this East Kilbride side was only formed nine years ago, wasn't it? Well, the original club, going way back, um, I'm not really sure too much about about them. I mean, they, they folded quite quickly. Um, and then East Kilbride Thistle became, you know, the big force in the town in terms of football. Um, and it wasn't until 2010 that East Kilbride FC, the kind of reincarnation, if you like, of that original club came to fruition thanks to a couple of businessmen from the town and um, Ian King, who was the first manager. Um, so that was 2010. They started out going to go into the South of Scotland League and then all of a sudden the Lone League was formed and they found a, a pathway to get in there. Uh, in 2013 and you know since then they've been desperately trying to to get up to the SPFL uh, and I've come ever so close but just not quite got there yet. Like we're, we're obviously both Miska Bride Paul and mm-hmm. it's weird to think that for such a big town that we don't have like a SPFL club like how much do you think this will do for the town if they were to get into the SPFL? Yeah I think I think it would be huge I think the interest in the club would grow exponentially I think uh, there's always an appetite, you know, for, for East Kilbride games when, you know, the, the bigger fixtures do come around. You'll see the, the crowds shoot up from maybe 100, 150 to, to 500 to sellouts, you know, as they had in the, the Scottish Cup down the years, particularly, you know, the Lothian Thistle game before they got through to play Celtic. Uh, had, a, had a sellout there, which took a great crowd to the Excelsior for the Celtic game. I think that the interest in, in the team would really grow if it. They're playing, you know, next season the likes of Clyde and, and Queen's Park teams around about as you know, people are familiar with and would like to see East Kilbride how, how they would get on against them. For so many years we've been waiting for this because East Kilbride is, is far too big a town to not have a football team. You see if if they get up this season, obviously despite winning the league, there's still some way to go. Two sets of playoffs against uh, the Highland League yeah. winners would be Cove Rangers and then whoever finishes mm-hmm. bottom of, of League Two. Uh, just feel as if there's a confidence this season that that they will go all the way. They've come so close uh, in 2017, obviously. Yeah, yeah. The the penalties against Cowdenbeath. I, I think this is this is the strongest team Eusko Bride ever had. I don't think there's any doubt about that. I think if you asked any any of the players in the squad who were there two years ago uh, when they lost to Cowdenbeath, I think they would agree that the team is is much stronger now. You know, you look at the forward players they've got, the experience that they've got there now. They're just so much stronger in every department. Craig Malcolm in particular, he's a real talisman for them. And he's he's a guy who I think will be key to getting them up. You're an East Kilbride fan, right? Yes, absolutely, yeah. If you could, it's probably an obvious question, but would you change that so that teams from the Lowland League and Highland League don't have to go through this palaver of playoffs against League Two things? Would you want it to be just part of the period normally? Yeah, I mean, I think that's the really un- unfair part of it being in the, the Lowland League and the Highland League is that, you know, you, you win your league, but... You don't get rewarded with a promotion. It seems ridiculous that they have to go through this. But I suppose that was the, the only way they could really sell the, the playoffs to the, the League Two clubs was to give them you know, that, that second chance to, to avoid the drop. Um, East Kilbride explained their feelings on that the first time when, when they came so close. you know They, they played Cowdenbeef twice in the playoffs. They never lost in 90 minutes or over extra time. It was merely penalties that, that cost them. And earlier that season, they beat Cowdenbeath and knocked them out of the Scottish Cup. So they felt that they were, you know, a stronger team than them, more deserving of being their place in League Two. But the way it transpired, they, they, they fell short. It should probably be the Lowland and Highland League playoff and the champions there, they go up and the League Two team should just automatically fall down. I mean, that's the, the fairest way. I don't think you can have such a, you know, an unsuccessful season you know, like Cowdenbeath did and and still have a, a chance to escape the drop. So there were other games in the Premiership we should talk about. For instance, Celtic, not quite the champions, who drew with Livingston. For the first time ever, that means Livingston took a point from Celtic Park, ruining their chances of securing a title this weekend. In fact, here's a stat for you. Celtic haven't scored in their last 180 minutes against Liam Kelly after a 0-0 Almondville November. What the hell happened, Kieran? Uh, Celtic, to use the old phrase, couldn't hit a cow's backside with a banjo. Liam Kelly was largely very good. He made a few good saves, particularly from Forrest. There was one with... Uh, yeah, I thought he was pushing them inside too often. Like, he should have been pushing them wide. From yeah. Um, Forrest, is, he has that finish now, though, with that sort of like cutting inside and then bending it with the outside of his right foot. 
Um, but for all the good saves he did make, he nearly messed it up at the end with a quite a simple shot from Edouard that he um, spilled out. Which I think uh, would have been unfortunate for him as well, considering the season he's had, if that was what would have uh, lost him the game at the end. And then Ollie Burke forgot where the goals were and uh, put it wise. <laughs> XG was a uh, expected goals is 2.3 to point. Two three, which is kind of a weird coincidence. But you look at the stats of it, and you sort of work out how the game went. Seventy nine percent possession to Celtic, twenty shots to three, <laughs> absolute battering. But they didn't score, and it's it was something that was happening to Celtic early in the season. Was they are having all the ball, but there was no penetration. It's too slow, tippy tappy, not enough going on. And I don't know whether the it's like Neil Lennon said, it's still Brendan Rodgers' team. But then this is the thing: they've been struggling a lot under Neil Lennon since he's come in. They've, they've is he been struggling. S- it's quite well, strong words. Well, but. maybe not struggling in the sense of it's still Celtic; they're still going to romp their way to the title. But they've been struggling to get over the finish line in certain games. So in terms of Levy, they've not quite got enough to get the three points. They've been getting late winners, pulling it out of the death quite often, and. They weren't doing that under Brendan Rodgers. Yes, it's still Brendan Rodgers' team, but it's under the management of somebody else. And that's kind of begging the question of what is Lenny maybe doing wrong in that sense? Or is there a counter-argument to that of, well, actually, he's doing something quite good because he's motivating enough to fight until the death to I get the points? The problem is they're, they're kind of caught betwixt them between at the moment. Lennon clearly wants to change a little bit the way they play, but doesn't really want to do that for the end of the season because it would be too much of a change. And the team was quite drastically different from the Rangers game. Uh, they played three at the back. They tried to get all the creative midfielders into the same team because McGregor, uh, Rogic and Christie all started mm. and Brown was in there as well. So they're quite narrow. Uh, and I don't think that's of helping them as well. And yeah, I think you can say they've struggled since then. I mean, the results have been there, but the results have been there thanks to a lot of late goals when the performances maybe hasn't justified it you look at the Dundee game the Hearts game even the Rangers game the way it went in the the second half those late one or towards the end of Rodgers time as well with the Kamarnock game I think there was eight points of the the difference that there is at the moment between Rangers and Celtic has been made up in those of late goals over the past few weeks so that's why I was saying earlier on I think that Aberdeen's best chance in a long time to, to beat Celtic in a cup semi-final or final is, is next weekend we should also show some love to Livy because they have enjoyed back-to-back promotions and have now stayed in the Premiership, which is, I mean, no one really expected it, I don't think. They've got a tiny budget, so they should really have been in a lot more trouble than they are. How do you think they'll get on next season? It depends who goes down, who comes up, I think. If both or two of them, the three of uh, Dundee, St Mirren and Hamilton go down, then the, the teams that come up could be stronger. Whether it's, you know, Ross County will probably come up automatically maybe Dundee United or Inverness or something like that. But yeah, I, mean, I think they'll be delighted just to, to stabilise after this season and, and do what they have this season again next season. I think it also depends on how well they replace their defensive partnership because Halkett's away, yeah. away to Hearts. Declan Gallagher's linked with moves away. He's, I think his contract's up at the end of the season. So regardless of what happens with him, the, the partnership won't be there. So if they can replace that pairing like for like in terms of a strong duo, that could go a long way in terms of them having a successful season next year. Another team who did very well on the weekend was Kilmarnock. They beat Johnson 2-0. Steve Clark, he's a very good manager, became just the second Kilmarnock manager to earn 58 points or more in a top flight season. The first manager to do that was Steve Clark last season. What a guy. We often talk about Kilmarnock as a team that seed possession and hard to break down. And that's why they've been particularly hard to beat for the sort of uh, top teams in the league yeah. over the past couple of seasons. But particularly since Malumbo went back there on loan, they've actually started to play a bit more football. Well, that was a player who can move the ball yeah. around. So and it's... that was certainly the case on, on Saturday. Like they really, it, w- it was only 2-0, but they really sort of thrashed St. Johnson. Well, uh, St. Johnson always play that 4-4-2. And the obvious thing to do against that is if you think you're going to be on the back foot is you play a back three to counter the two strikers or you flood the midfield and put a three in there. So they were 4-5-1. So they won the midfield quite easily. Always had a 3v2, always outnumbered St. Johnston, who never adapted to it. It just makes total sense. Uh, there was a interview in The Telegraph recently. Steve Clark was talking to I think, uh, John Percy, I think was talking to him. And uh, he clearly feels he has unfinished business in England. And I, it sounds very much like if he were to be offered a job during the summer, he would be away, which would be devastating for Kelly. Yeah. Oh, damn it, give him the Scotland job. <laughs> Don't no, let him go down like south. I've been amazed so far that an offer hasn't come from England thus far that he's he's taken. When you, but has, he's turned them down, he says. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
but the one that I mean is like one good enough that he couldn't turn down realistically. I mean, I know there's talk at the moment about the film job. Would that be a good enough job to to lure him away? Do you think, or do you think he's aiming for Premier League rather than Championship? It's difficult. He's a difficult situation. I mean, he's not. He's got a pretty good CV. He's worked at some massive clubs. The job he's done at Kilmarnock is awesome, but they've still not. You know, they've not gone over the the precipice of it, as it were. They're not going to finish second. They're not going to win the league. The first game after the the split. Kilmarnock versus Aberdeen. Who is going to finish third, JJ? I'm looking forward to that one. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's I don't know. so tight just now. You can't call it. Yeah, it's uh, absolutely. Uh, Clark is um is a they've got a two week break actually just now, and then Clark had a go at the schedulers. He's just I think he's getting tired of Scottish football. It sounds like, um, it's one of the, he says it's one of the vagaries of the Scottish Amateur League. Sorry, the Scottish Football League. Hey oh, he didn't say hey at the end, but <laughs> you know, he says it's mad. It's so many games are packed in during the winter when the weather's bad, and then spread it when the weather's good. Which does make perfect sense to me, but I apply that to Sunday League as well. Why don't you play when it's sunny? Yeah, but then there's also the argument of if we hadn't crammed them in then and we decided to cram it all in now, what happens if there was a build-up of games being called off over the winter? We'd have nowhere to fit them in now. And then every morning going, oh, it's the typical SPFL, not planning things in properly. Now we're having to extend the season. How much of a joke are we? This is embarrassing. I also wonder if it is helpful for the SFA's point of view to have Cup semi-final weekend just for the cup semi-finals like you quite often get in England like even this weekend the cup semi-finals are a bit overshadowed because Liverpool are playing in the Premier League and going top and stuff like that whereas by not having any league games next weekend all the focus is on the cup semi-finals yeah, yeah I like that I think it gives it the respect it's due what I think is weird is there's no midweek um, fixture after the split this year so it's a wee bit more spread out in that sense but I do like the fact that we go right everything's off now it's all about the Scottish Cup this is our spectacle and we're not distracted I do feel bad for um, St Johnson, Motherwell and uh, Livingston fans who now have absolutely FA to look forward to easy games against Dundee oh, I'm it sucks being in the bottom half of the split when you're not going to do anything is, is rubbish and I would know no, I've not been in the split, but I you know I've been used to be quite a lot. Well, <laughs> um, I think that's that's time for us to go, Laura. It's not goodbye. Oh no! We will speak again soon, possibly about Aberdeen and their triumphant semi-final. Yeah, if um, how will that make you feel? If Aberdeen <laughs> puts Celtic at the Scottish Cup, phone me. Okay. <laughs> phone me next week. <laughs> Because I, I want you to bring me on and I want you to gloat at me for getting it wrong. I wouldn't gloat at you. I would just <laughs> let you see how wrong you were. <laughs> but, uh, I would yeah. rather you phone me and do it <laughs> rather than sit here and talk about me <laughs> when I'm not here to defend myself. <laughs> okay, that's and I can clear. sit here and laugh at myself all the same. <laughs> it's going to be very interesting. Absolutely no idea who's going to win that. You'd think Celtic should. Aberdeen are quite good. The other semi-final is also win. between... Hearts and Inverness. That's correct. Who's going to win that one? Hearts, that's correct. That's it from us. <laughs> we'll be back next Monday after the Scottish Cup semi-finals. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time. You've been listening to the Totally Scottish Football Show, a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, email sales at muddykneesmedia.com and be sure to check out our other football shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Audio Boom, and everywhere else you get your audio on demand. Mm-hmm.